Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap here on May the 31st of 2018. It's the last recap of manga done weekly of the month. Wow. That was a lot of anticipation on that. Yeah, well, it was just... Oh, well. I appreciate it, though. It was, it was a new angle to go with. It put me, I get... it put me on the edge of my seat. It's like Naruto the movie The Last, where I was just like, is this the last one? And they're like, kind of. Maybe. No. What's the last Naruto movie? Will it make money? Still Boruto movies. Well, I guess everything. Yeah, it's just a Boruto movie. <laughs> but it's Boruto Naruto Generations, so it's. I guess it's like Boruto subsection of Naruto movies yeah, now. It's a different. It's a whole different um, thing you put chips in. Kettle. Kettle of fish. I guess you put, I, I guess you put sure. fish in them too. I don't know. It's a whole new world we're living in. It's a brand new place with a brand new attitude. Still gotta catch them all though. Pokemon. Should we talk about I really want to like sing that entire theme song right now. It's a whole new place to <laughs> see. <laughs> it's a very fun song. <laughs> it may be better than the original. Pokemon Yeah, let's talk about manga. I've got a very moderate amount of energy today because I don't have any of my normal stuff. I have no latte. I have no monster. I just have no caffeine. Uh, lukewarm now water. So that's that's all that's keeping me yeah. up now. Recap portion of week manga recap. Let's hit it. My Hero Academia number one hundred eighty four. Hero Billboard chart JP. Do you think that there is a billboard chart for other countries? Is that the implication? I assume so. Like, wouldn't it be weird if, like, all the top ten heroes were all localized entirely within the confines of Japan? Maybe there'll be a future arc of some sort going to a different country to see their superheroes. Possibly. Hmm. It'd be great if they get over to America and it's just, it's, like, legit just x-men and marvel universe shit going on over there we're just like they they get up there and be like greeted by magneto ah, finally x-men crossover <laughs> I'm like jesus this is kind of crazy it turns out disney worked out a deal with Croatia, huh makes sense so aries at ua now that, that's how the chapter begins page one i was just like ua is gonna take an area and aries like she, I'm not sure if she's excited or what. She doesn't have emotions. She's pleased to see Deku. She, she or... just exists. She doesn't have feelings. I am a yeah. girl. Like, there's just flies going in and out of her mouth. God. Disgusting. So. Mystery. What the hell was that? I've never heard that. It sounded before. like a mystery. Okay. Like, what's a um, like, and you just found a clue. Like, like whenever you get yeah, whenever there's a something that shows up, a piece of evidence you got to remember in a Phoenix Wright yeah. game. <laughs> anyway. So um, I don't know exactly where they are when this happens. I guess that they're in the one A, and then like Mirio and Aizawa and the other thirty are just like we brought Ari here, and when everyone shows up in the common room, it's I don't know. 
I know why I'm so obsess- obsessing over how this scene was set up and where people walked in from. Anyway, there's one thing that happens in this little conversation where they just you know talk about it's like oh you know well Ari can't just stay at the hospital forever. Plus you know it's better off it's better in case she has you know like an incident like when her powers come back if Aizawa was around to handle it because her horn shrank down to a very small size but it's growing back little by little. Um. But during this whole conversation, there's just a little line where Uraraka just goes, "We got ourselves an airy." She she's right there. What a weird thing! It's not that it's a weird line. It is a weird line, but it's not that. It's that Uraraka is the one saying it. That makes sense to me because that is a line okay. I can picture, like uh, one of my friends' mom saying when we were in high school or something like that. And of anybody, Uraraka is the easiest in my mind to transpose onto that. Like, I feel like Uraraka is not in her natural state right now. She's in her natural state when she's like 45 and she's she's drinking wine on the counter after her kids have gotten home from school and things like that. Like, that's that's her natural state is when she's a mom at that point. So, yeah, no, it makes sense. Okay. I don't know. It makes me think of that she's like a Pokemon trainer or something like that. We got ourselves an Aerie! <laughs> More Pokemon references. Um, so, Sun Eater points out that, hey, you know, when Aerie's powers stabilize, that'll be an opportunity for Mirio to, you know, get his powers back. Although he doesn't say that. He actually says it won't be long until our invincible dude makes a comeback. It's a lot of weird dialogue in this chapter, Chris. This, this is only the first two of like six instances where I, where I was like, "What the hell did they just say?" So, yeah. It's Time not passes. So invincible if you got a shit pushed to, go to, the one- to begin with. Time passes. At the 1A dorm, Tokoyami sneezes. And everyone's like, Tokoyami, are you feeling sick? And he says, no, I'm in perfect health and my mucous membranes are functioning properly. As you're able to determine very quickly, I guess. So they're like, maybe someone's gossiping about you. Like a fan you might have gotten during the concert. Like the one that Yayirozu got. It's, yeah, I guess we missed a chapter. I guess we missed a chapter or something like that. I can only gather that, like, oh, well, he was in the band that put on the performance, so maybe he's acquired some new fans. Like, yeah, Yorosu's got a fan. And she's like, I'm just happy to have an admirer. You won't be. <laughs> Once you get to know them. Um, it's... I don't know, there's just some weird stuff that happens. Like, Uraraka suggests that, oh, maybe when you had your work study with Hawks, you gathered some fans. And he's like, no, that was a very short time, so I don't think I did. Okay. Yeah, this was all an extremely odd sequence of discussions, because they seem to end nowhere. <laughs> just kind of like, have no real you. point. Oh, you must be sick. No, I'm not sick. Well, maybe it's because a bunch of people were talking about you. He's like, nah, I don't believe so. They're like, well, maybe it happened from your, your time with Hawks. I don't believe that's the answer. Credits. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> fucking fascinating. And scene. We fucking got fascinating, it. Fucking fascinating, Tokoyami. You're fucking great. 
I'm not objecting to them having just little weird conversations like this, getting to be normal teenagers for a bit. It's just a weird sequence of... It's kind of hard to make them like normal teenagers when they have a conversation no normal teenagers would have. (laughs) So, all of a sudden, the wild, wild pussycats appear in civilian attire. Uh, And they're like, hey, it's nice to see you. Yay. Um, There's a brief moment where, you know, Tiger says to Bakugo, I'm sorry, we couldn't protect you back then. And Bakugo's like, oh, shut up. Don't remind me about all that character development I went through. And then there's a panel following this where I don't know what happens. Jiro says, oh, hey, we're doing good. And then whips her head around to look at Ashido and Uraraka and Hagakure, who are going, Pop Hat Manju! Pop Hat Manju! As teens do, often. I Well they're holding they're holding I something noticed, up. Oh, it's the pod the paw pad manju. They they gave him something. I don't know if it's food or a game. I'm assuming it's food. It's food. Manju is food. Because when they did their training uh, way back a couple of years ago, it turned out that one of them was actually a really good cook, and so they feasted on Paw Pad Manju, which you can see Tiger has the box of Paw Pad Manju when they do their group pose. But it's not that they're excited over this. It's specifically that Jiro's head whips around. And I don't know exactly what that suggests. Is it that she is. She wants fucking Paul Pad Manju too. Does she? Is she like want to just get done with the pleasantry so that she can have the Paul Pad Manju? I guess theoretically, it's, yes. It's just a weird panel, and also Uraraka's eyes are fucking huge in this picture. By the way, they are half the size of her head. I bet Horikoshi drew that one. What her no, eyes? I'm joking. I'm sure Horikoshi had no fucking part of that panel in the background. Just hand out to us. It's like, draw a Rocky. He's like, some dude who's drawing like Garfield comics normally. He's like, sure. <laughs> Jim Davis. <laughs> Jim Davis, son. Could you finish Could you finish the background of this image? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Jim Davis, son. This is where his newspaper comics career has led him after 30 years with one of the most commercially successful series of all time. I must go to Japan to find myself and make pennies a day doing assistant work for a mangaka. Anyway, shitty little Koda's there. He's slightly less shitty now. Um, and Peter is like, oh, I'm so thank you for th- thank you for writing that letter thanking me back then. I mean, it really meant a lot. He's like, and and uh, uh, Mandalay. Uh, says, hey, Midoriya, look. He picked out his new shoes himself. He's like, they've got to be red. And Koda's like, shut up! And Deku says, well, now we match. I get it, at least. There's just a lot of weird little things that happen in this chapter. I understand this one, which is like, okay, Deku's got a fan now, and Deku is cool with him about it. The main point of their visit... Uh, I don't know exactly why they're at Class 1A's dorm to announce this, but uh, they're going to get back to superhero work. Uh, and uh, Deku's like, oh, but, but Ragdoll, you had your cork stolen. I thought you quit. And Ragdoll says, well, 
I'm not going back into superhero action, but I'm going to be working in the agency and I'm going to support the other three. Call me the cat administrative assistant. That doesn't even make sense as a pun. That's, That's that. I'm going to use that one day next Halloween. <laughs> I think that it's kind of silly that she makes like cat but, paw. But I'll change it. I'll just call I'll... it black cat administrative assistant. So that way it's more Halloween th- like focused and themed. God damn it. You're already preparing for that. Anyway, as I would say, I do like that in order to demonstrate that she's going to basically be a secretary now, she's making, like, typing motions, but with cat paw hands. It's the most efficient way to type, Chris. Certainly person. not. As someone who worked as an administrative assistant for ten years, I'll let you know that's not a good way to type. Dear Strongbad, how do you type with boxing gloves on? Uh, flashback... Because, oh, I forget this one's name. The fourth one. Uh, she says that they actually uh, were there when they were interrogating uh, All for One in Tartarus. Uh, and they questioned him about Ragdoll's quirk. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I saw a good quirk and I just had to have it. It's, it's a bad habit of mine. You know, I'd love to return hers, but that would involve using my own quirk. You know, I can do that. Please let me out. <laughs> I'm sure he'll stay locked up in that forever. Ah. Forever. He won't do anything ever again. It's fine. Uh, so they are actually trying to see if uh, he's got how what just what all quirks he has locked up in his body. And in the meantime, they're like, we're just going to keep him fucking restrained here, immobile, so he can't do anything. Uh, yeah, you're always with questions. Okay, well, what's with this timing then that you're uh, making your return? And Mandalay says it's because they're about to announce the year's second hero billboard chart, JP. And uh, the, the Wild Wild Pussycats are currently in 411th place. There's a whole thing that explains, like, the hero billboard chart, JP. Basically, just like, it's rankings. It's rankings based on prestige and popularity and accomplishments, whatever. Uh, Deku objects uh, to, is like, oh my gosh, you're in 411th place. You were 32nd the last poll. And Kirisim is like, oh, I, so are you making your return so that you can stop that decline? And Ragdoll says, wrong! Meow! Cat pun. It's not really a pun. It's about... Not even a pun. <laughs> this is just an interjection <laughs> of a cat noise. She's just insane. <laughs> yeah, she is a weird-looking girl. Uh, and uh, she says, that, well, you know, we actually have done really well for ourselves despite not being in action for months uh, because our approval rating was still very high and so it's actually because of that that their ranking is so high which means people still believe in them that they're like we, we, we gotta get back to work which i like that attitude you know it's we can't say we can't focus on this tragedy forever we've got to you know keep on moving forward and we're superheroes we should be superheroes so kirishima is very choked up by this demonstration of uh heroism it's not manliness but he says the wild wild pussycats are dudes among dudes this chapter really likes using the word dude doesn't it chris chisaki saying dude kirishima saying dude it's a weird thing so the rest of the chapter is basically just announcing the top 10 in the superhero poll uh and so we got you know there's ryukyu there's this old samurai-looking right. guy. Let's not over 
Brush, the samurai dude, who is by far the coolest looking dude on this list. And he's just given like a panel at nine. And I'm like, what the fuck? That dude's awesome. But second of all, fuck this nonsense that Ryoku is on here, but fat gum doesn't make the list. You can shove my butt up my ass. That doesn't make sense, but I don't care. It expresses how angry I am. Fat gum is dope. <laughs> Ryoku's done nothing. Ryukyu is a model. I don't give a fuck. She's got fat gum. Is fat gum? Well, she, even she says that she's not sure she. Oh, that's fine. This. I'm still placing my anger at her. But you know what? Neither of them deserve to be assigned the list as the laundry hero Wash, who is a man dressed as a washing machine, whose only line in his introduction is a One Piece style laugh, where he goes Wash, sha, 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 sha. What the fuck? <laughs> it's just the most random thing. I love it. Also there, Kami Woods, uh, who uh, has been showing up occasionally, a uh, newcomer on the scene, uh, has been doing pretty well. Mount Lady makes a brief cameo because she was in 23rd place, and uh, she's has to like make comments about how awesome Kami Woods is and when it was like, is it true that you guys are a great team outside work? And Mali is like, shut up. She's like, yes, and he's got and the biggest like, woods you've ever seen. Is that all you wanted? <laughs> is this all I'm here for? <laughs> oh, tabloid headlines! Ah! Uh, then there's a guy named the shield hero Crust. But no gang orca, gang orca okay. can't make this list. Cross better be fucking amazing. It's not. All right, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> and there's a pretty awesome looking lady named the rabbit hero Mirko, who apparently fucking hates teams. She's awesome. Uh, like, <laughs> like they added great. in like five new heroes or whatever in this, and like half of them are super dope and cool, and the other half, I'm like, get this shit out of my face and put in gang orca and fat gum. <laughs> Then there's Fuck Ed this Shots guy, get him off my list, before. put in Gang Orc or Fat Gum. He's not a new hero. I know we've, we've seen, seen him before. before. He, he fuck... fucking is boring. Put in Gang Orca. Also, he got his ass kicked. Then there's Best Genist, who is noted as being absent. Uh, because, you know, All for One fucked his shit up. Oh, he's now, he's then there is... Oh, no, he was number three before, I think. And then he dropped. I forget if he was number three or four. I thought he was number three when they introduced him working with Bakugo. But I, I might be mistaken. Yeah, because this other guy they show in the panel before, like when they talk about the polls, you'll notice that it's All Might Endeavor and then this wing guy. So he mm -hmm. must have dropped off the list then, and add on because I'm pretty sure Genus was three. So they must have had Genus. They explained his Genus disappeared. This Hawk guy took his spot, and then maybe it was that I don't know. Well, All Might was one, Endeavor was yeah, two. Maybe it wasn't three. I don't know. I, I could be mistaken. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, and number two is the wing hero, Hawks, who is this... He's this, you know, angel-looking guy with the with the big wings. Uh, but he looks really, really, really casually dressed. He's just wearing a jean jacket and shirt and headphones. And it's like, yeah, I'm here. Mm-hmm. This is the guy that they just established that Tokoyami had his uh, hero course with. So, um, I can only imagine we're going to probably see this guy some more. And, of course, the new number one hero is uh, the flame hero, Endeavor. And 
It's like, oh, it's been a long time. He's been waiting to claim the throne, and now he's number one. And there's just a full page, page spread of Endeavor walking out. Uh, yep, that happened. That was a chapter, all right. I mean, I like this chapter. I do find it amusing that there are two chapters this week, and we're immediately jumping to the next one that we're all about. Like, here's the new rankings! Uh, but I do find this to be a fun thing. Uh, I guess this kind of makes the rankings a bit more of like a prominent feature because now we're not like piecing together where people are. We have our top ten literally presented before us. And I'll be kind mm-hmm. of curious what Hawks does to get him here because just having wings was always like the lamest thing for like an X-Men character. You're just like, that's all this dude does. It's like mm-hmm. when the apocalypse got to me, he's like, I'm just, we're giving you metal ones. I can shoot shit or something. You're going to have metal wings and blue skin and you're going to shoot knives. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but I want my old wings back. Ah! Well, I liked it. Uh, uh, Busha and, uh, and, and Mirko, I think are, are super cool in design. I'm, I'm really excited to see what they'll do. Um, I'll get over eventually the fat gum and gang Orca aren't on this list, but it'll take some time. Well, I think gang Orca was like previously like number 12 or something like that. He was up there, but he wasn't in the top 10. Tell me what he did to not get on this top 10 list being super cool all the time with the awesomest design ever <laughs> and his power of being oh. a whale. <laughs> Maybe all those ki- all those kids in the uh, in the hero course were like that guy's an asshole, just because they're shitty little kids. Yeah. Yeah. All right, on to our next ranking chapter. It's Food War Shokugeki no Soma two hundred and sixty four from Megami Tadokoro. Uh, so a time skip happened, to everyone. It's a time skip, and you know it's a time skip because all the girls have different haircuts. Literally all of them. It's, what, four months afterwards or something like that? Four months. Almost four months, it says. And we start off by just seeing, like, some of the random people from uh, the Polaris dorm walking around. Like, oh, I got a Shokugeki to get to. Oh, we got to get to class. And the girls have different hairs. Like, well, I my hair grew longer. Well, I cut my hair short. Every single girl we see in this chapter, I'm pretty sure, has a different haircut. And I... I, I I'm getting a little sick of that sh- of that shonen jump shorthand. Like you can tell the time is passed because the girls have different hair. It happened in Bleach. It happened in Naruto. It happened in One Piece. Every time there's a time skip, the girls are like I got a haircut. That's how you can tell the time is passed for to me. To be fair, I haven't forbid anything else happen. I mean, what else is they gonna change? Like they changed their attires too. Like if you were saying like, yeah, think- in One Piece they definitely changed their attires. I, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I'm talking about like, they're wearing the same uniform. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't give a fuck what they did Naruto. I didn't even pay attention during that time. Well, they I, definitely changed. Well, the they just they also too. made uh, Hanada's breast bigger too. So <laughs> it's like, well, you know what happened then? All the girls hit puberty. <laughs> All right, so. Um, this chapter takes the form of Megami writing a letter back home. Uh, and she's just like, you know, after all of that stuff happened, we all graduate to our second year. Uh, and she establishes the course of this, that the uh, mentality, basically, at Totsuki Academy has changed again. Um, and this is demonstrated when we go to catch up with uh, the 
the best friends trio, uh, Hayama, Kurikiba, and Alice. Because uh, Kurikiba was like, how about John? I'm going to take Shokugeki. And I was like, I want to have Shokugeki. And they're just reciting like uh, win-loss records against each other. And Hayama's the current fourth seat. Kurikiba's the current fifth seat. And Alice is the current sixth seat. And apparently they've been trading these seats back and forth as they constantly challenge was, each other's matches. I was, I was matches. wondering about that. I was like, so they just keep swapping these seats back and forth. Everyone's like, this is really fucking up our plaque on the wall. <laughs> like, we do a snapshot every time a seat changes. You fuckers are too even. You keep switching every week. Uh, and according to Megami, this is basically because... Uh, when Soma was proclaimed the new first seat, it was just like, when he said, I'll take on any one of you in the last chapter, he meant it. And basically, there's just this precedent that's been established where everyone will do Shokugekis and basically never refuse them. Uh, so there is a little bit of a chaotic, a chaotic element of the Institute now because of that. Um... Which makes you wonder about some certain things. But anyway, when we catch up to uh, Arena, who is, you know, still doing her thing as the dean, uh, apparently by this point has uh, proven herself to a lot of the older brass there. And uh, we get a bit of a catch up uh, with her and uh, Hisako, who is still working as her secretary. And Megami starts off the scene by going like, both of them have become even closer friends since the team shook Yugeki too. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, after they've you know gotten out of this meeting, Arina turns to Hisako and says, "Hey, uh, you know what you said during the regiment de cuisine?" And Hisako's like, "No, no, 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 no! I, forget that I called you that I call myself your friend. Stop! No, no, no! I don't." No. And Arina's like, "No, no, no! Shut up! Um, uh, you know why don't you do like the others do and call me Arina Chi?" And, and Hisako says, "No, I couldn't do that. No." Well, why don't you try Ariana Chan? We're friends, after all. And she's like, Ariana Chan. And they're like, ah, maybe we just... No, no, I think that we'll go back to the... Yeah, that's, that's, that's very embarrassing. Is this like teasing a ship between these two or something like that? Nervous friends. It's it's just a little bit weird that she uses that term of intimacy and they're like, let's not do that. Well, <laughs> kinda, I mean... So. She was essentially her servant for the better part of it. Now it's like, let's immediately be friends in the closest way. Like, I mean, let's take steps first. It's been four months! <laughs> so four months is enough to change someone's entire personality, but fuck them if they get their hair cut. <laughs> they haven't had this conversation in four months, is my point. <laughs> All right. Um, and then we get the scene flashing back to the team Shokugeki again. Uh, and uh, Soma points out, you know, because there's all the people who are like, oh, yeah, the, uh, the Islamic administration is gone. Well, now what's going to happen to us? Are they going to expel us? Are they going to take their revenge on us? And Soma's like, no. Why would I do that? And uh, he says that, hey, you know, I got this first seat through this team Shokugeki. And I still haven't beaten Akiri. I still haven't beaten Sukasa for, uh, or Rindo or any of the others who were, who were on my list. I haven't beaten you know those guys on my own. So really, I'm just kind of a temporary first seat. So if you challenge me, there won't be any consequences. That's so. Let's just you know f fight our hearts out, basically. 
like, okay, that's nice. Maybe he defended his title against Sukasa. Would have been nice to see that. Uh, and we do more catching up with uh, more people, including the graduate Council of Ten, what they're all up to. Uh, Some is back at his restaurant. Megashima's back at his restaurant. Uh, Momo is in an awesome sweets shop. And uh, Rindo and Sukasa went off together uh, to go on some sort of like Amazon River expedition or something like that. Um, but, but what and Nick, that uh, we never got her name, or I think we did get her name, but no one gave a fuck. Oh, the the ponytail yeah, girl, hat, hat, hat. <laughs> hat, hat, hat girl, yeah. Um. I'm not sure. Was she a third year or was she a second year? It was probably a second year, I think. I think that was like a thing. So maybe she'll show up and be important. <laughs> Rebecca from uh, from Black Clover shows up. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. And then we catch up to where Megami and Soma are because Irina has actually sent them on a mission uh, where they are currently off at a hot springs resort town because Irina wants uh, them to be dealt with to deal, to deal with invaders who threaten her administration and uh, Soma is still the first seat in the Council of Ten and Megami is the tenth seat in the Council of Ten so there you go I do wonder if because uh, we only learned about half we learned like exactly half of the seats that are on the Council of Ten or at least their specific positions at this point I do wonder if, uh, in this new way of doing things, what that actually says about some of the people who are on the council. Is, I mean, yeah, sure, bottom of that totem pole, but she is still on the council. So if they are specifically doing this uh, time period where, yeah, there's a Shokugeki, everyone accepts it. Has Megami been kicking ass this whole time and we haven't gotten to see it? <laughs> maybe. I mean, she holds the lowest seat on the council, so maybe everyone just is fighting for more interesting seats. <laughs> uh, I think I'm, I'm kind of curious to see which of the second years maybe stuck around. So, like, will Kitakuni and, like, Aizan, are they on this new council? Because they are supposed mm-hmm. to be pretty good, so would, it would make sense if they had some representation, especially if there's five open seats and, like, what, Four or no, I guess five directly members of the council are gone now, specifically. So mm-hmm. it makes sense. I guess Shiki's still there. I would, I would Kuga. presume it's probably like Soma, Ishiki, Takumi as like the top three, and then it does like the group from there, and then maybe like Aizan and Kuga and all of them are like mixed around. I don't know. I think that it might suggest like. Um... Because it makes sense if Megami never moved up after the seat that she had. Because she's not the kind of person that would do that. You know, it's like, so, bitch, and for me, we fucking show you what's what. Let's do this. You know, but if someone challenged her, maybe she would stand her ground and win that way. So maybe it's like she, <laughs> people like see her like, oh, I could step all over her and take a seat on the council. And she's like the gatekeeper or some shit. Alright, so uh, I think you may need to reset your connection real quick because you are very robotic right now. Uh, oh, I see that, yeah. But uh, I'll just I'll just kind of note here as we're finishing this up here. 
Uh, I did not actually even pay attention to the fact that there was all these new haircuts and everything because I was too busy being absolutely dumbfounded by the fact that they they ended this without having any kind of like real closure between Soma and Tsukasa. Presumably the option's still out there for it to happen, but I was I was absolutely shocked that we didn't get anything. Uh, I was pretty firmly in the belief of like, oh, we'll definitely get something there. Uh, Give it a moment. I'm back. Ah, no! Hello, Chris. Alright, it's popping in and out. We'll see. Oh, no. Do one of those. All right. So, I guess we'll talk a little bit about the jump starts, maybe. Yeah, I guess I'll uh, give those a shot. Okay. Uh, so we got uh, Kimi Woshin Rakusteo. Uh, he had a dog alien that catches a frisbee in its tail, and Chris don't like this series. I'm pretty sure the girl is only there but she can be put in weird sexual situations. Mm, more than likely. Uh, so, is there like a, a storm going on over there or something? No! That is strange. Yeah, your internet is, is really like fading out. Fine. Talk about Kimi Wakanda as much as you want. I guess. I'm going to. Uh, it's garbage. It's hot garbage. The series is fucking the loops. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so last chapter presented the idea that this was supposed to be kind of like a funny, goofy series, and it had a little bit of like risque fan service and everything. But uh, at the end of it, uh, I still wasn't crazy on it. But I was like, let's see. So, yeah, this one involves his, like, new dog, and the dog sneezes fire, uh, but then it doesn't really, like, I, I, I kind of zoomed in and out of it a little bit. There's a couple jokes, I guess, here and there, but then there's this really weird joke where she is going to use the dog to figure out his identity, so she shows up in, like, a sexy dog girl costume. I'm not entirely sure why. Uh, and then the dog just starts licking her nonstop. Uh, and then his tongue starts to literally, like, almost like hentai tentacle fucker. Normally, maybe I would have been like, it's not that weird. But there is literally one that is going underneath her shirt and presumably just licking her breasts. And that is obscenely like uncomfortable uh it's a very strange scene uh he he stops the dog from doing it um and then moves her away because the dog's about to sneeze and it suits fire he ends up on top of her it's i guess supposed to be like comedically somewhat romantic i'm not entirely sure look i'm not saying i'm kick shaming you can you can you could jerk off whatever you want to jerk off to as long as it's not hurting anybody as far as I'm concerned. But uh, it is a weird thing to like put out there. It's like, just like, this is, <laughs> this is tolerable. Like people are going to be into this, right? It's, it's the fact that tongue goes under her shirt that really gets me. Like that is like, oh, wow. That dog's not playing. He's, he's going full bore into this. 
that's it. That's that's the end of the chapter, basically. Is he fucks around with his dog, and uh, that's basically it. It's a great, very funny comedy series, guys. Uh, I have not disappeared, but uh, I have to get my video from Skype, which I can only get if I'm actually in the call with Nick. So we'll be both muted until that happens. Uh, we'll wait for Nick to come back, and uh, then we'll try from there. In the meantime, uh, let's jump over to Momiji no Kisetsu. Our other jump start. This is our uh, third chapter of Mobiji, so this is going to be the last one we get for it. Unless it gets picked up, which we shall see. So it opens with Mobiji uh, shitting his brains out, I guess. <laughs> uh, and he's really panicking about the uh, written part of the exam that he has to get to. We flash back to two hours earlier when we find out that he made it through the first round without any losses whatsoever. And, you know, he's, uh, uh, a bunch of people are talking about this, being like, what? I thought he was supposed to weak. He's so cool. And uh, I've forgotten her name. I I Ichihara? Ichihara. Ichihara says uh, that he's popular than ever, so this is a good thing. But he's prepare himself for the second round because they'll be going up against members of of the 6th to 4th Dawn instead. So they'll be playing basically a bunch of matches, but all these people are significantly tougher. All he needs to do is win once and he'll, he's in. He'll have three, three matches, you know, maximum, but he needs to win at least once. So he starts getting an upset stomach because he's like, I always lose when it matters most. Uh... And she, she kind of teases him by saying, you know, like, yeah, I mean, you're going to be finding people who have achieved success at a national level. So gain, gain even one win is going to be close to impossible for you. So he, he has his confidence hurt. He's like, oh, I'll just do my best. And then we, we cut back to him shitting his brains on the toilet. Um, and he's like, oh, shit, I got to get back to taking my, my test answers. When another person comes into the bathroom, walks into the stalls, and just fucking vomits furiously apparently <laughs> it's uh it sounds pretty graphic we just see Uluk and then cutting him like into the stall and just the exaggerated sound effect of blarg so i think that's supposed to be really bad vomiting uh moji goes to check on him and the guy says he's like ah yeah i'm fine i always get like this i should get back to the test and he's like wobbling back and forth and shit uh and Moji's like, here, I'll help you. But uh, this this new kid says, I hate it. I hate being treated like a sick person. He has a very distant lurk in his eyes. And Moji keeps trying to kind of help him up. And uh, uh, the the person's like, no, I'm fine. You know, I'm, I'm just, uh, give me a rest and I'll be fine. And Moji kind of has a flashback to the fact that his brother, who was uh, terminally ill, basically would keep saying the same thing. So Moji's like, just let me help you, okay? And uh, the guy's like, ha, you're the type to be nice to weak people, huh? Not sure I like you. So he's like, well, fine, I don't like stubborn people like you. Go fuck yourself. Uh, they leave the bathroom, and that's where Ichihara is. And uh, he then runs forward and, like, glomps into her and is uh, calls her Ichosan. And she responds by, like, shoving his her popsicle stick into her his mouth. And uh, she says, uh, hey, Yushino, 
it's been a while. Why are you here? And uh, he's just kind of grinning like a big stupid idiot because he's like, oh, wow, it's like an indirect kiss. And, you know, continuing that he's he's here for the exam as well. And uh, we find out that Yoshino, uh, he won the junior high Ko'o tournament. I'm not entirely sure how you pronounce that. So he was exempt from the first round of exams. He didn't need to do anything because he's basically a national champion. And uh, why even bother? So he grabs Ichiro's hands and says, remember your promise with me. And that's when the dean shows up. And he's just like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Get back, get back to this shit. So they all head back there. They go back to the exam. I like how the teacher's like, we need to talk in regards to her. And she's like, are you inviting me on a date? And he's like, no, I'm here to talk to you. The fact that you continuously show up in all these fucking troublesome situations around here. We go back to the second part of, part of the exam. Uh, Michi's pretty upset because he, uh, he seems pretty positive that he did awful on the written test. And uh, he looks over to Yoshino. And he sees that he's doing fine. So he's like, ah, oh, why is he doing so fine? I wasted all my time worrying about him. Oh, what was that promise they were talking about? Ah, oh, I'm so frustrated. Uh, then the parents get announced. And we don't get what you'd expect. We don't have, like, Yoshino get matched up with uh, Momiji or anything like that. Uh, instead, uh, Momiji gets paired up with uh, a guy called Moria. And uh, he has a very intense style. And he's he's getting pushed onto the back burner with every hit. And uh, he, he keeps going around. He keeps looking. Ah, he gets stuck on this one. He sees an opening, an opening to get stuck. And he hears someone inside the room when things seem bad saying like, ah, I concede. And uh, he says, huh? It's only been 15 minutes since we started playing. Everyone should still be in the opening or the middle of the game. And uh, the guy who gave up is saying, I just couldn't do anything. I set it up the way I like, but I couldn't even get a chance to attack. His aggressive style of play wouldn't even allow his opponents to attack. So a way to seize the next path. And then... Uh, we see that the person he lost against was Yoshino, who has a very almost sexual kind of smile to him. I'm not entirely sure how to describe it. It seems it seems like he's getting sexual gratification out of this victory. I'm not sure. What? I'm talk about uh, Mobichi now. Okay. Your internet sounds better. I We'll see how it holds up, I guess. Uh, so we come out way later and we found out Bumiji won at least one of his matches. Uh, it's not entirely certain if he won that specific match against Moria since he's supposed to have three, but presumably he won at least one of them. Uh, and that's when he wanders in to Ichihara and Yoshino talking. And, uh, Yoshino's reminder, you do remember our promise, right? You promised that you would make me your pupil. And he's, he's basically crying her. He's like, so why is it him and not me? Why did you pick Momiji? And she's just like, uh, you know, what are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> as Momiji's clearly, like, right there, like, fuck me. God damn it. Luna lover's spat now. Uh, Yoshino sees this and says, oh, eavesdropping? How rude. Uh, and Luigi says, who does this guy think he is? HR explains it. This kid was one of Sakura-san's students. And the guy says, yep. I can't bear it anymore. I won a national championship, so I don't need to have a master sponsor for the exam entrance exam. But if I get into the Sorai, Sorai Kai, 
I need to enter an apprenticeship within a year, which means I need a new master, and I've made up my mind to study under you, Ichosan. And Ichosan said only have one apprentice, so I'll prove to you that I'm the most worthy. So he challenges Moichi to a fight right then and now, opening up a fan because he's like a fucking Street Fighter 2 character right now, or something like that. And uh, that's where the chapter and this jumpstart run ends. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I was very pleased with this development uh, because, hey, Moichi's got a rival now. Cool. Uh, I think that this was the guy that showed up on that initial two-page spread from the first chapter, so presumably we'll be seeing a lot more of him uh, in the future. And, uh, hey, if uh, Momiji uh, uh, gets a actual run in Jump, then I would be totally fine with actually like covering it yeah, regularly. I think this is a fun series. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more of it, and if not, like, hopefully hearing that... Uh, we get some cool stuff out of this or some cool stuff happens. Like my mind in predicting assumes that like they have a very intense fight, but at the end of it, Ichihara is like, I'll just take both of you on as pupils or something like that. That sounds like something that you would do, honestly. <laughs> but I think it's, it's very fun. I think it's uh, kind of cool. I like a lot of the humor around here and, uh, I don't know, I, there's something about the fact he opens up a fucking fan when he goes to fight him. That's <laughs> that's just like such like a fucking Mortal Kombat kind of character introduction. Like like yeah, they pop yeah. in, they have to open up a fan, and like they send their hawk away, and <laughs> they chop down a tree. All this shit, yeah, it's cool. Did you did you have any thoughts on the Alien uh, Tongue Fuck series, Nick? Okay, no, okay. no. Just wanted to give you a chance. By the way, is my webcam actually working? Uh, I don't have any video for you, but your audio is good right now. Okay. Okay. So let me try to turn this off and back on. Yeah, it's just a swirly thing. All right. Well, I'll put uh, the picture of you trying oh, to stab somebody up in, in place of this for right now. And uh, if we get something else, we'll, we'll change it back. Cool. All right. Uh, then next up is going to be Dr. Stone. It's time to get stoned. It is time to get stoned. Okay. <clears throat> Z equals 59 voices from here to infinity. Uh, so after the previous chapter's work, uh, Senku and the village have uh, radio waves all ready to go. Uh, the only thing that they need to do now is actually have, you know, a speaker so that they can actually transmit sound. And in a very, very, very short little montage, uh, he just he was like, okay, we need a bit of wine, we need some seaweed, and that'll make our microphone, and he just boils some stuff up uh, to dissolve it in water. Uh, and he's like, done! And like, what? 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 What did you do even, Senku? And uh, he has basically uh, gotten Rochelle salt, which can actually turn sound into electricity uh and so he's like all right we've got it we've got a plastic megaphone now and now we can actually transmit uh, sound waves into electricity and then transmit it and they're like this is a cell phone there's a bunch of wires and boxes and cables and megaphones all hooked together not exactly the most microscopic of cell phones but okay i could see i could see that working sure and they're like wow we can actually transmit you know sound uh, Ruri says, our voices will dance across the sky to faraway lands. And then Kohaku says, uh, who's going to hear us, though? 
And it was like, there's a there's some really weird faces that people pull in response to this. And Sega's just like, oh no, I guess we need a second <laughs> unit. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, fucker. And Gan says, you knew that the whole time, didn't you? <laughs> so um, they say like, okay, we actually can't uh, make wireless calls as of this moment yet, but we can work it as a landline if we stretch this cord out. So they stretch it from like, the village to, you know, the outpost, the, the science hut uh, that's across the bridge and into the woods and stuff like that. And they're like, okay, you know, let's, 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 uh, let's test this out to make sure it works. And uh, Chrome is, you know, standing there on one end of the, of the megaphone and uh, Ruri is sitting, standing on the other end. And uh, Ginro gets into an idea that, <gasps> hey, Chrome, you know, this whole thing is like, it's, uh, the lovely Ruri on the other end. You know, this is your big chance to tell her your true feelings. You shouldn't let this moment go to waste. And Chrome's like, my true feelings. Ruri, this is awesome, right? Science is great. It's <laughs> his true feelings. I, <laughs> I know it seems that it's different characters, but I like to think it's all just Ginro four times over being like, ah. <laughs> Kidding me? <laughs> also, ahoy hoy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so everyone's like, oh, wow, it's working. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Ruri observes like, yeah, it's just like a speaker. And Seika says, it literally is a speaker. Yeah, it's a microphone and a speaker. It converts sound electricity and back. What do you know what a speaker is? And uh, the kids are like, so this is like a bee? And like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, and finally, Rui explains that in the 14th of the 100 Tales told in Ishigami Village, the speaker is a talking bee, beloved by all. And when its needle pokes a gravestone, it can channel the voices of the dead. And Senku is like, what the hell is... Okay, that's that's weird, because the 100 Tales are supposed to pass down valuable knowledge. Why would... That's a weird story. And eventually, again, it's like, 1-4, January 4th, like your birthday, Senku. And Senku real, uh, realizes, oh, the gravestone in the story is actually my dad's gravestone. There is some sort of valuable information left there. And uh, they hoof it back to the graveyard that Rui had led him to several months ago. And uh, he picks up the freaking headstone. And Chrome's like, that's, wow, okay. <laughs> Actually, there's like someone behind him. Some random villager is like, you will incur the wrath of the gods! And Seku's like, I don't believe in gods. So um, he... It's like, there must be something, you know, inside of this concrete stone, some sort of a time capsule that we've got to crack open. And Mac was like, crack open! Break, break something, you say! <laughs> uh, and Sega's like, okay, no, but there's something glass inside of here. We need to be more precise with this. So instead, Kohaku uh, takes out a pair of hammer and chisels, basically, and chips away at the stone until she uncovers... Uh, this thing wrapped in aluminum foil. They boil it away in hydrochloric acid, and all that's left is this 
disc, this thick glass disc, like basically like 10 CDs stacked on top of each other looking thing. And Senku quickly realizes, okay, with this and the speaker with the needle. Ah, so Gen's like, oh, it's a record. Uh, so there must be some sort of recording that uh, Byakya left for Senku on this disc. Uh, and it was like, oh, wow, it's Senku's father can speak to him even from heaven. Thousands of years later, science crosses time itself. Which is something that hadn't really occurred to me. It's like, yeah, with, with technology, you can actually leave messages like that that will last through the ages. It's a cool thing. Um, I've never heard of a glass record before. I'm but sure uh, I'm going to type it in right now. Glass record Metallica. <laughs> uh, well, my first uh, response is Snoop Dogg obliterates Guinness World Record for largest glass of gin and juice. <laughs> I guess that is okay. technically a glass record. <laughs> okay. Did he tr have to drink it? Um, I doesn't say he did. I think he just made the largest glass of gin and juice. Peep this, homies. Can you drink that? No. Give me my record. Uh, no, there's, <laughs> there's something here from, looks like creators saying that there were glass records as well. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, it was an all right little chapter. Um, just, you know, kind of that steady moving forward that Dr. Stone has a chapter dedicated to occasionally. Um, I do really like the moment with Chrome where he just completely misses what Kinra's trying to prod him to do. Like, he's not even, like, thinks about it and gets embarrassed and says something else. It literally just does not occur to him that when he says true feelings, he's like, no, romantic feelings. He's like, I like science! It's super cool! Don't you agree? Subscribe to National Geographic. Uh, I like it. I, I'm, anyway. I'm really excited to find out what's on this record because there's still like we haven't really touched on it because there's always been the much bit more pressing matter of uh, Tsukasa is going to come and kill us all. But I presume eventually yeah. we're going to have to start digging more into why the event of Stone World actually happened. Mm -hmm. And Senku's dad leaving like that kind of message on a record would be a great place to kind of start that. So it'd be interesting to see if this is where we get to start things. Maybe we won't find out what's in there because maybe Senku's like, we don't have time to invent a record player right now or whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's that complicated, but maybe they'll hold off and this is just a tease to it, but it's pretty exciting. And, you know, it, I, I there is... The whole point of the series is we have to get science, society back up to the level it was before. Uh, as opposed to we have to defeat Sukasa. Sukasa is the obstacle in the way of that happening. So, right. okay, Chris, what? we never learn time. About we never learn. Question sixty-four: Excitement and busyness in anticipation of X. So it's school festival time. School. Yay! Who ever heard of having a school festival? Art, never Chris? heard of it before. First time it's ever been done. Never made. So there's going to be a big school festival coming up. Uh, Ogata is going to be taking place with, like, an Udon booth, essentially, for everybody. Uh, and they have a bit of a discussion there. Um, Uega has, like, a conversation where he, he asks him, like, Oh, yeah, you know, what are you, guys, what are you girls doing? Because he's just handling, like, costumes and props and not actually doing anything on the day at the festival because he doesn't want to be in the limelight. And uh, both Fumino 
and Takamoto are both like, uh, don't, uh, I don't know, don't come, bye. <laughs> uh, but what I do love is Fumino's, like, weird click of super obsessed fangirls show up. I'm not sure if they're a click or a I, I, I don't know. But they come up and they're just like, they're like, you're going to have to wait and see on the big day. And, uh. The, the main girl of that group mentions, like, by the way, you do all know of the urban legend on uh, the Academy School Festival Day, right? And uh, all of them are fucking stupid, I guess, and have never heard of this before. What? So the, the rumor is that on the night of the fireworks festival, when the first firework goes up, any boy and girl who are touching are destined to be intertwined. Uh, and apparently there's a whole bunch of success stories, so it seems like it's a totally legit thing. And it's kind of like this awkward tension in a way. Uh, like, and Eureka has to react to it exactly as he would. He's like, so uh, what you're saying is if a boy and a girl are watching the fireworks together touching, aren't they simply statistically more likely to become a couple? Like, he's just trying to analyze it. And they're just like, uh, yeah, good point, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it makes a good point. <laughs> so, uh... They're like, yeah, you know, this is pretty good. That's so crazy. You know, who who thinks something like that could happen? That's a dumb legend. And we cut across to a bunch of different people. So, like, Uraka is just like, oh, yeah, whatever. And in her mind, she's like, bring on the dumb legends! And she's thinking about, like, her hoing onto Ogata. And uh, Shikijo is over there, kind of, like, around the corner, drinking up Udon as, like, Ogata's just like, can't process it, <laughs> does not make sense. And she's like, this is the best chance to bring happiness to my best friend, Risu Ogata! So, she's pretty happy. Boy, she sure, boy they sure are going to be a couple, aren't they? Uh, obviously, she still has feelings for him, but no, I'm sure I'm yeah, sure she's just also very platonically all about trying to, to help that. Well, you know, because all those girls who are trying to hook up Fumino with Yuika, clearly they're all in love with uh, with Fumino and want to be with yeah, her instead. Yeah, because they're an apples-to-apples comparison. It's not, as, it's not as though Shikijo has shown any traits beyond what they have shown. <laughs> uh, so, then we get to, we cut to Kirisu, and uh, she wants to propose a topic for the school festival of an in-depth lecture as to why the Roman Empire fell. And they're like, yeah, it's not really a festival sort of thing. <laughs> That's just a lecture. And it's like when they were planning school festival ideas uh, in My Hero Academia at the start of the arc, and Ida was just like a group study session. <laughs> it was like, lame! And uh, the one teacher says, don't worry, I'll take care of your costume, so nothing to worry about. Oh my god, this is so, so weird. We can already know. Well, I like because she's like, thanks, that's good. Wait, costume? And he's like, yeah, I, we figured it'd help people focus on the lecture. And you're like, yeah, I sure. guarantee it's going to be a fucking toga. It's going to so be a weird. skimpy toga, and everyone's going to be like, what? How could this happen? Uh, but then we get to my favorite part of this chapter. We cut over to the 3A class project, and it's like a fucking evil council meeting. <laughs> On how to make sure uh, Fumino has to kiss Uega. Because, like, they're just, like, they're all looking around. And, like, they're like, well, I guess we'll do a play. Let's do Sleeping Beauty. 
we need a Sleeping Beauty. And uh, everyone's like, uh, oh, well, I've already got my part, so I guess I'll have to do you. She's like, what do you mean? She's like, oh, well, I'm going to be the stage. She's like, yeah, and I'm going to be the Wicked uh, Stepsister or something like that. Like, <laughs> She's a Wicked Stepsister. I don't, I don't know how fucking Sleeping Beauty goes. They're all very interchangeable to me. <laughs> and basically all of them have some other excuse for why they're doing it. And, like, don't worry, you aren't going to have to memorize lines because... You're going to be a fucking yeah, unconscious, yeah, and I'm going to yeah, be near just... you the entire time at the back supporting you, so you'll be fine. And they're like, oh, don't worry, just try out your costume. So they drag her out of the room, then they slam the door, they rearrange the table, set up a projector, and <laughs> portrayed on the wall was like, Princess Furuhashi public kiss with Prince Charming plan. And they're like, welcome members of the Thorn Society. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, fuck it. Yeah, like I really wish they just whispered it to each other's ear. Thorn Society pricks you again. They've got to like, someone's like late for the meeting, so they have like they're they're like when there's a knock at the door, hide everything. They're like, what is the password? Princess Fumino shall know true love. Enter, enter, sister. They bathe each other in holy water as they come through the door. Uh, yeah, so their plan is to set up a kiss with her and Uega, and, uh, they joke how they're not going to leave this up to some unreliable legend. Uh, and that's basically, we time skip over to the actual day of the festival, and, uh, Uega catches up with Ogata, and she tells him, like, oh yeah, I stayed up with my dad last night, uh, to make up a hundred servings of udon for today. No, she went to, she oh, she went to, went bed, to bed early. early, and her dad handled making the hundred servings of udon. And there's a bunch of commotion outside the Udon uh, shack. And they get there. And because I guess she made the period really small, her dad thought it was an extra zero and instead made a thousand orders of Udon instead. So they're like, holy shit, your dad is way too extreme at this shit. (laughs) Like... There was, like, uh, no way we should have this many, and we can't possibly sell them all. Like, Ogata's really, like, concerned about this, because she's like, we can't possibly sell this many. This could be a big financial kind of debt to us. But Uega's like, hey, let's think positive, and I'll help as much as possible. Besides, I don't have anything to do for my class project, so I'm all free. And uh, they basically then cut around to the fact that everybody is shocked we don't see why everybody shocked yeah uh well we see that fumino has seen the yeah, script that's that seems so. the most obvious one that and makes presumably sense. fucking kirisu has seen whatever her stupid costume for today is supposed to be so here yeah, I, i'm just kind of like trying to test to see like how it just how inappropriate is this that her fucking co-workers are prepared for her it was like, we've given you, uh, you know, a tube top and crotchless panties. That's what you're going to wear while you're doing this. Well, well remember, out. these are the same co-workers who, when she was at the beach, were really bummed because they didn't get to see her in a bikini, which is, like, the only they're reason they want such <laughs> Like, it's the only reason. They're such creeps. So, it's very likely it's just like, uh, we got you a Wonder Woman uh, onesie. <laughs> How about you uh, tell us about the Roman Empire like this? She's just like, I don't even think, I mean, it wasn't, it was, like, mostly Greek gods, isn't it? <laughs> For Wonder Woman, this doesn't even make sense. Uh, yeah, the I am kind of curious. Like, okay, the, they kind of go in like reverse order of like you know 
easiness of predicting what's going on because Femino they kind of basically told you what it was gonna, what was going to happen. Uh, so she's probably gotten to the point in the script where someone's actually going to kiss her. Then with well, Kirisu, remember, it's probably rem- the costume, rem- but there's like no idea what Uruka's swim team project that is. is. True. Well, the so. thing to remember is Femino's already like an expert in literature, so she knows there's going to be a kiss in the the Sleep Beauty. I think there's something a twist in there, like a random member of the audience is pulled forward from the crowd to be Prince Charming or something like that. Something like that, Because yeah. otherwise, how would Uega be... Like, they're obviously trying to set up her with Uega, so how else would he get involved other than something like that popping into it? That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, the chapter ends with a reiteration of that urban legend at the precise moment when the first firework explodes on the final night of the festival for boy and girl are touching, they are destined to be intertwined. Looking back on it now... The legend is true. And we see five, in particular, sparks kind of falling. And I wonder if that's meant to indicate that there are five characters who are sort of involved with this. Go fuck yourself. If you were an Ashumi fan, I guess she's not going to be involved with this anymore. She's like that fourth that fourth girl out now. Or it could be the five different possibilities of it love interests. I only say that because we have not seen anything from Ashumi yet right now. Well, why would she? I, I'm sure that there's going to be some sort of a twist where she ends up going to the school festival for some reason, just to tease that possibility. Now that this all has been introduced. Um, what do you think about this chapter, Nick? I'm I'm very uh, hyped up by this. Actually, uh, this is like, well, we're getting like a story arc from we ever learn. It's probably going to be a pretty short one, but this does look like it's going to be a two-parter. It looks like it's going to be at least you know, a total of three chapters, including this setup. Uh, so that's interesting that there's actually going to be this. And uh, it looks like there's might be some of the, at least a little bit important that happens during this. So uh, I'm excited to see wh- where this goes. Absolutely. Now, Chris, I was harping on you earlier because of uh, Seiki Joe. Now, we have now confirmation that when people are touching, looking up at the fireworks, it's true that they'll their they their destinies are intertwined. It says specifically a boy and a girl, and I'm guessing that probably the twist is going to be that Yuiga is touching multiple of the girls at the end of it. Like there's some sort of a weird dog pile when the fireworks mm-hmm. go off. In order to continue their like being no solid answer of who he ends up with. But if if Sekijo and Ogata are touching at the end of this arc when the fireworks go off. I will give you your Hot free pizza. Dog. I need one, Nick. I haven't eaten today. <laughs> so that is a definitive no arguments if they are specifically touching when the fireworks go off. Even if they're in a group and they're like holding hands in a line of people. That'll count. All right. It's on. We'll look out. We'll see what happens next week. Let's go, pizza. Let's go. I'm not going to be done by next week. But Let's okay. go, All pizza. Right. Let's go. <laughs> Don't. All right. So let's move on now, Chris, to the Promised Neverland, Chapter 88 Rematch. I like the rematch that we had in our showdown uh, last night. That's been uploaded to Patreon. You can check that out if you're a champion level uh, yeah. patron. Hey. Go for it for me. All right. So. <laughs> Uh, I really like the uh, two-page color spread, by the way, that we have to open up the chapter with the uh, film reels. Uh, I wonder if it has to do with, like, uh, the TV 
thing because they've got their anime. Because on the cover page, the kids are coming out of a TV I too. So. so, which is weird because so I don't think there was ever was a nuts. time. Well, I guess there was a time where te- film, like television, was aired via film, but it's still kind of weird. Like not like like a projector reel of film like that. I don't think there are there are film reels of old TV broadcasts. Yeah. It's uh, one of the reasons I the, the reason I know that's very nerdy. It's because uh, one of the reasons there are so many lost Doctor Who episodes is because the BBC literally just burns the, a bunch of the old reels. Just <laughs> and they have to wait for aliens to beam the signal for it back to like rebroadcast. Yeah. Pretty much. There are episodes of this of that series that exist solely because people taped the, or, the original TV broadcast. There, like, I thought there were some that literally came back because, like, a bounce back off a satellite came through and, like, it ah, like, was unscrambled. Geez. or should be like, hold on, I'm gonna look this up. Doctor Who satellite I don't know how to spell satellite. Uh, wait. Satellite Metallica. <laughs> Satellite 5. Fuck it! I'm just finding stupid-ass bullshit about this garbage fucking franchise. I want to know the cool stuff that has nothing to actually do with the franchise. Fuck it, I give up. Okay. So, uh, last time, Emma set off a bunch of guns to shoot Luvis. Luvis caught the bullets because he's a badass. And uh, so now he is hunting Emma through the town, trying to get, get, grab her while she and her allies try and kill him. Uh, and Luvis pretty much knows, like, you're going to try and break my mask. I know you are. And you have the weapons to do that because there is no other way you could have killed Bayon and the others. Uh, the fact that you didn't use that weapon when you launched your sneak attack uh, just there is because you have limited ammunition with it. So you couldn't afford it. So you've got limited shots with it. Uh, so you've got this plan to catch me off guard and shoot me with that special gun and break my mask. Anyway, I'm going to go kill your friends now. Uh we get, you know, some flashbacks explaining stuff. Uh, the initial plan that was set up uh, with Emma and Emma's thought pattern as uh, she's hiding and everyone else is hiding. Pepe has caught up by this point. He's hiding. Uh, Nigel is still uh, in his can position. Can we not with, understate with the, the fact that Pepe is back? It's super exciting. Pepe's here, Nick. All the all the strongest characters. This is like uh, this is like when Marineford happened, and all those characters from One Piece showed up in the same place at the same time. Like we have Nigel, Emma, and Pepe in the same place at the same time. This doesn't happen since they were having their shitty meeting with a bunch of other characters that they didn't care about. It's crazy. I can't wait. So. Emma seems to it seems to, for her plan to be is like, I'll hide and I'll lure him in. And then, you know, I'll just be the bait, basically. Lewis is like, nah, he goes after Pepe instead. And Pepe is like, he came for me instead. He knows he realized that Emma was trying to lure him in. So instead of taking the bait, he came to kill us first. He's going to take off us off and then go for Emma after she's eliminated her support. So he's like, oh, and he wrenches his gun around and shoots and uh, shoots one handed with it. And like a fire hydrant or something explodes next to Louvis. And Louvis is like, you can't move well with unarmed. I'm going to kill you now and stuff. And Pepe thinks to himself as he runs, it wasn't possible with only the three of us. After all, he reads every single move we make. Damn. It's just like Emma said. And Emma comes around the corner 
with a fucking exposed electrical wire held in her hand and drops it in the water that came out of the fountain that exploded. And he's like, ah, fuck! She just got that from Deadpool 2. Fucking stealing shitheads. It's garbage. They did that at Deadpool 2. It's a good thing the demons uh, are affected by electricity like this because uh, what if they had been immune to it? Then oh, they would yeah, have been screwed. Ground. <laughs> we gotta get all the Pokemon jokes in as, as, as often yeah, yeah, yeah. as they appear. Or he could wear, or he could ha- have like rubber claws or something. I don't know, Chris. Is that an item in Pokemon? Oh, no. I was gonna say I don't, I don't, I don't play your actual fucking meta game shit. All right. Stealth Rock's the first thing I delete when I get a chance. I'm like, no one's gonna use this garbage. I have one move that beats all of your types individually. I'll use that over and over <laughs> again because I'm seven levels higher than you. Eat my nuts. So. Basically, Emma changed the plan uh, because uh, being she realized Lucas predicts her move. And that is how Lucas and the man and I lost the people that we wanted to protect. So she thinks back to when she was younger uh, at the Gracefield house and Ray would constantly kick her ass at chess. And she's like, all right, how can I win? And Norman advised her, you have to read your opponent's moves. And I love the expression that Emma pulls when she tries to read Ray's moves. Because she's like, I don't get it. <laughs> I understand. Uh, but Ray actually helped out, like, helped her out by saying, think of the move that you would least want him to do. That is usually the move of someone who has read you. And Emma's conclusion from this is, I'm not good at reading moves. But I've seen many people who can. So I'm not losing this time. I'm not letting anyone die. So I do like this idea is like she didn't know she couldn't read what Lucas was doing. But she was like, what is the worst thing possible thing that Lucas could do? All right, let's act accordingly mm. then. And that is a strategy that I have seen work sometimes, including literally I have seen people uh, win, du- win duels over aim doing that when they knew that the other person was cheating. So... <laughs> It was like, how how can I possibly beat this guy? I know. I'll just plan for him to have the one card that would fuck me over in this situation and strategize around that. So. And the one dude was just like, I have all five pieces of Exodia. And you like, hand destruction. <laughs> so um, they basically planned accordingly. They're like, okay, this, the, the plan is usually impossible with our original plan is impossible with only three people. So that's why, because he'll see through our plan, we'll be able to stop Lubus because we'll know that he knows what we know. And uh, anyway, Lubus is shocked and held him open this way. So Nigel's got the gun. He shoots in order to take out Lewis's mask. Lewis can't dodge, but he does raise a hand up and it explodes his hand, which is pretty awesome. But even so, the special bullet's been blocked. His mask is left intact. And it was like, oh, fuck. I've never been electrocuted. This is interesting. <laughs> so he knows the jig is up at this point. He lunges for Emma with his good claw. And suddenly his face explodes. And everyone's like, what just happened? Um, as Lewis's hat flies off. And the old man is there, and he's got the special gun in his hand, too. What the fuck is this gun? It's got, like, doodads and, like, a double muzzle at the top. Like, what's the second fucking muzzle up there for? Or, like, what's the second part of the gun above it? Don't question it, Chris. It's steampunk technology. It's 
It's gotta have extra. It's gotta have extra dude. This is like nothing. some shit from Fallout or something, where you're just like, I don't know, I just put some shit on it and it glows. It's like Bioshock, where you're just like, look, the numbers. I up. I upgraded it by taping a fucking <laughs> a fucking light bulb to it. I do really like the way that this chapter ends. Uh, I for some reason I just really like the shot of uh, of the geese are just standing on the roof looking down at Luvis that way. It's a cool shot, and I kind of figured this like all right, you know, the, the, he and Ray were going to show up at some point, but I do like that timing where uh, it's like, hey, just in the nick of time. No, I so. completely agree. Uh, I'll, this this is where I'm like, okay, I can be invested again because presumably half yeah. the drama doesn't have half much. these more than half these characters are people yeah. I care about. Yeah, uh, I'm like, no, Pepe, look out, <laughs> run! <laughs> All right, let's move yeah. on then to Seven Deadly Sins, Chapter Two Sixty Nine, Purgatory Life. Uh so last time, Bon found himself in purgatory. Uh, he had become sort of one of these shadow, shapeless demons kind of creatures, but had regained his humanity and then fought another one that turned out to be Melodious, or as we now have very clearly kind of established, not actually Melodious, but all of Melodious's emotions, uh, which have been trapped here in purgatory ever since Melaskula kind of trapped them here. So uh, it starts with the Melodious basically being like, ah, oh, my hallucinating, there's no way Bon would be here with me. And Bon's like, it's a real deal, Captain. They share an embrace, a naked embrace that I'm sure Yaoi artists won't take far too Not far. Not inspiring any dojinshi nope. at all whatsoever at this moment. No. Uh, but Melodius explains that he completely given up. He's like, there's no way for me to have gotten out of purgatory and back to the land of living. I thought I'd never see you or Elizabeth or anyone else together again. And he, uh, he's like, oh, what are you doing here? His mortal bond finally kicked the, du- the bucket. He's like, no, nah, I came to get you. He's like, see no way back to the human world? And I love Bond's like, uh... Louis <laughs> is like, ah, uh, you say. <laughs> He's like, you really are an idiot. You jumped right into fucking like the purgatory without any idea of how to get back. He's like, well, what else I do? I can't just ban you. Melia says, dumb friends are the best friends. No, they're not. <laughs> Nick's like, I hate dumb friends. All my dumb friends, I hate. <laughs> You can be genuine and caring and still be smart and helpful. <laughs> Nick, I crashed my car through your house. Nick, I came to help you water the garden. You're like, did you even bring any gardening supplies? Nope. <laughs> but, smart friends are the best friends. <laughs> as I'm trying to reverse out of your house and just destroying your garden with my back tires. Run over my run over my pets. <laughs> you, like hating like staring daggers into me as like dirt clops keep hitting your face i'll get back at any moment now <laughs> i'll be out of this mud pit that i somehow that is here now because i hit your water main <laughs> oh i think i got your sewer line too yeah i hate dumb friends <laughs> uh so they're going on an adventure and uh Melodius explains that there are two type of creatures in Purgatory. The ones are the souls that have fallen in Purgatory and basically become the creatures that they were last week. But there are a second type of creatures that actually have physical bodies, and their bodies have evolved to handle Purgatory's environment. So... And to look bizarrely adorable in doing exactly. so. <laughs> and I should note, the only reason they're actually interested in these guys is so they can kill them and make clothes out of them, because otherwise clothes disappear. Not to, not to feed themselves... Yeah. But to just not be naked. They're, they're very much like, we can't give the fan artist too much for free, all right? So, 
like there, Bond's like, oh, we'll go after one. I'm going to go catch it. Uh, he basically quarters off. He's like, it's headed your way, Captain. And uh, he's like, uh-oh. And just gets fucking thwapped by this, like, running dog monster. And uh, we find out that this Melodius doesn't have any of the strength of the actual Melodius. Because he's not really Melodius. He's just his emotions like a soul. And because of that, there's no way for him to escape. He can't fight these creatures here, so he can't find an escape on his own. But Bond says, all right, don't worry about it. I'll just carry you. And he decides he's to go fight this monster. But uh, it's pretty quick, actually. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Melodius explains the entire thing here that his father, the demon warrior, put a curse on him to, uh, that every time he died, he'd be ripped away from uh, a piece of his physical body and be trapped here in purgatory. And basically, I think what's meant to be kind of portrayed is that these creatures are part of them. Like these are maybe his shards that have kind of existed here. What the uh, animals that have adapted yeah. to the landscape I of purgatory? So. I, I can't uh. exactly tell because it feels weird to have only taken shards and then mentioned it. But uh, it was his goal to make Willis his successor and to suppress his emotions here. Uh, so he finds out when he actually was in here, he was actually like imprisoned by the demon lord. But then they found out uh, that he sucks. <laughs> He's basically just like. Yeah, without any of your strength, it really doesn't matter because Melodius basically lost all of his spirit to keep going, and the Demon Lord was just like, well, whatever. You're just a fucking worthless monster now, so go wander the, you know, endless ways to purgatory for the rest of your existence. Uh, Bond defeats this creature, and uh, Melodius starts, like, making weapons out of his clothes and everything like that, and... uh, It does look like they actually do eat it. Otherwise, they would have just, you know, tanned its hide and they leave just its skeleton Uh behind. So (laughs) I would assume so. Although it seems weird that they need to eat because they mention like you live here forever and don't die. So I guess I don't know. It makes sense that they would. But at the same time, it's like, why would they? Uh, So Melodia says, uh, you're really amazing. And Bond's like, where'd that come from? And Melodia just says, thank you. Because when you said you were trapped here, you know, I'm sorry, Bond's saying this. When you were trapped here, I thought you'd be locked up somewhere. He explains about how he was imprisoned. Uh, But from this, they kind of gleaned it like, so wait a minute. If the Demon Lord kept you in prison before and then he wasn't afraid and letting you just roam free in purgatory, maybe that means the exit from purgatory is within the Demon Lord's grasp. And... They kind of settled together to make that their next quest. They got their cool new snazzy clothes now. They're walking forward. You say cool. Uh, you know, <laughs> cool in the way that uh, I'm sure anime characters look cool when they wear this and everyone else wouldn't. <laughs> I don't know where. Like, I, Melodious spent time not just making fingerless gloves, but making fingerless gloves with big, stupid, giant, like, stars on them and shit. <laughs> And Bon, I guess, I guess it makes sense. The creature had kind of the spotted pattern. I want a snazzy jacket, but I only want that jacket to go down to third rib height. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and I just say, so, well, 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 let the mission escape begin. Bon says, right on. I assume Bon, uh, from now nice- on, Bon, in my mind, is going to be, uh, Matthew McConaughey is like, well, all right, all right, all right. What's up, Captain? Right on. I, I can see that, actually. It's an all right little chapter. I do like seeing, uh, you know, Bon and Meliodas getting to reunite this way. Um, and it's, it's quite a little chapter that uh, 
you know, Seven Deadly Sins has not really had time for with all the constant action that has been happening with the last mm-hmm. couple of months. So yeah, this is solid. All right, let's move on to. Annalise is going to hate me. Let's move on to Black Clover. Page 158. The Lives of the Village and the Sticks. So, uh, last time, the remnants of the uh, Royal Knights uh, decided that they were going to, you know, get together and they were going to save the kingdom. Uh, despite the overwhelming odds of uh, many of their allies being turned into elf zombies. So, uh, we cut, actually, to the village that you know and Asta come from. And this big old glowing rock is floating uh, over the village. And like, what the, what is that thing? And some random possessed guy is like, they are my companions. I'm heading over to them, dealing with unfinished business as I go. It looks as though I was reincarnated closest to our homeland. In the past few centuries, your numbers have grown a great deal. And the higher you go, the greater the power the residents have. Hmm? So humans still engage in that sort of petty discrimination. And this is the village where those with the least amount of magic power reside, is it? These days, the weak are discriminated against. Truly, truly selfish creatures. We do not discriminate. We bring death to humans equally. That makes us better. Genocide. The only fair option. Thanos was a really sympathetic villain, Nick. He, he was just, <laughs> people don't understand. He was really the good guy of the story when you think about it. There is, there is twisted villain logic. And then there is the most ridiculous hypocrisy that you could possibly imagine. It's like, humans are so bad to humans. Not like we elves who will kill all humans. <laughs> Filthy humans! <laughs> you are so unfair to each other. You are not fit to live in this world. <laughs> I shall obliterate you all equally. Starting with you, though, because you are the closest proximity-wise to me. You have all been have been spat upon and stepped on by those higher than you. But do not worry. I shall kill you. <laughs> first. Again, this is the key thing. I'll kill everybody, but you guys are first. In fact, You're you the- are benefiting the most from this right now. You were the lucky ones. No, we're not. The, you're just propagating this, the inequality that was established by our society because those who have the most power are the best defended get to live the longest. Well, now you've confused me. <laughs> now I'm killing you for a different reason. <laughs> Now I'm killing you because I hate you, which is actually the reason I was killing you to begin with. I'm just trying to make myself look good. Asta is fully recovered, which you can tell because he goes, FULLY RECOVERED! Um, He offers the restore your health and mana device back to Nozelle, and Nozelle is just like, it is a consumable item, just throw it away. He's like, but it's pretty! So I'll hang on to it instead. Esther, your friends are elf zombies. Do you like? <sighs> I just like I like to so, think that Asta's like the one RPG party where like he just has empty potion bottles in his inventory, and everyone's like, "Just throw those away." Like you had to buy. No, I have to hang on to all my volunteers. Like, but no, like you had to throw it away. Like you're gonna buy a new one and get a new potion anyway. Like it's not like the potion bottle does anything. He's just like, but I want to keep it. It looks nice. 
<laughs> They're like, but you have limited inventory space. What if I come across? <laughs> what if I come across a potion fountain? I don't have an empty potion to refill. Like those don't exist. <laughs> it's like you're not gonna have enough actual inventory space for other things. I'll do more sit-ups until I do have enough inventory space for it. Like you can't solve all your problems with sit-ups, Asta. Watch me. I can't. <laughs> I can't use this healing item on you. What if I need it later? There's ten levels later. Well, I guess we just have to throw this away to make room. <laughs> Too bad we never had a chance to use the ceiling item. So, Nozelle is taking charge of the group by this point. Because uh, they realize, like, oh my gosh, that's our village, you know? Uh, it's Hage, we've got to go and save them. And Nozelle's like, we have to go to the capital as quickly as possible. We can't spare time in order to save this village. We must protect this, the kingdom, which means prioritizing the defense of the royal capital. And Asa's like, well, my hometown's part of the village! And he's just like, look, go, but... You two go alone. I can't spare anyone else going with you. You know, and also, don't die. And also, get back here quickly because I need you in order to help just out. Keeps adding things. Also, get me lunch. Also, <laughs> also try to keep it pretty cheap, though. Also, don't give me fries. But like, if you get fries, I might, you know, I might, borrow I some. Might have I might couple, take yeah. some from you. It might have a couple of minutes, but but I can't have a full one. I, so, Meanwhile, like, the dude down below is this army of, like, death-dealing plants just <laughs> stabbing citizens. <laughs> and this is why we're so much better than you humans. <laughs> As it's like, can we go down and help? He's like, hold on. <laughs> if you see, I'm not saying go out of your way for a Starbucks, but if you happen to, like, conveniently pass one, please stop. Also, make sure that the guy who makes my sandwich goes light on the mustard. Not too I light, want some. Like... I want mustard. Just not, I don't want drenched in mustard. I want one spurt, you know, Ask. not like a, not a small spurt. Make sure he squeezes the bottle to half capacity when he gives me the spurt. If you could smidgen of mustard, specify a smidgen of mustard. If if Ralph is there, he'll know what that means. Do you know what store we're going to? No, but every store has a Ralph. <laughs> I make sure to have a good relationship with every Ralph. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> Noel's like, I'm going to go with Asta and Yuna in order to help. And Nozel's like, no, Noel, you are a royal. You're coming with me to defend the castle. Now, I hate this moment so much because he doesn't say, like, it is important that you come with me. You know, you are valuable to the defense and I cannot spare anyone else or anything like that. He just says, you are a royal, so you will come with me to defend the castle because you are a royal. And Noel has a flashback to when Nozelle, you know, in like chapter 15 or something like that, was a real asshole to her. I think it was actually might have been like back at the. Uh, I forget which uh, when this moment actually was, but like the first time we met Nozelle, basically, right. it was he was just like, you are an embarrassment to our family. You are not me and the Silver Eagles. If you get to excited over, excited over a single success. Do you, did you come specifically to bring shame on our family name? You do not belong here. Leave this place. Failure. And now he is just observing you are an important part of the defense. So she blushes and her chin trembles. And Mimosa looks over at her like, done good, Noel. You've come a you long done way. done good, kid. <laughs> this is not good, okay? It's he's still a dick. He doesn't 
even respect Noel hardly anymore. Like, you are not worthless and are not actively bringing shame on the family name. Therefore, you are important and need to come and defend the, the royal. It's not like he he doesn't even care about you. Yeah. It's, this doesn't even like a level of affection or anything displayed towards it's, her. The Fuck really this. weird thing to me is the way it was presented, because it's like, Asta, you know, you're going to go defend your kingdom. Noel's like, I'll go with you. And he's like, no, you come with me. You're not going to help these, like, helpless, defenseless citizens. You're coming with me. And that's the inspiring thing is because he calls her, like, a, he considers her a royal. But it's still very pompish and douchey of, like, the idea of, like, no. Like, because you're a royal, you don't help the plebeians. We leave we leave yeah. them to handle themselves. <laughs> like, you're like... You are now... This is where you were. You were with the garbage and deserved to be with the garbage. Now you're up here. You're not with the garbage. <laughs> I'm not willing to claim that you're not part of my family anymore. Now let's drop off these fucking garbage dumpster people of yours, and then let's get going. Replica Rabbit makes a good point. He never saw Noel do anything, by the way. He wasn't at that magic night test or whatever it was. He heard about it. He, he read very <laughs> detailed reports. He's like, oh, my sister didn't make a total ass of herself. He just... He just trusts the other snobby assholes who dis- determined that she was worthy to join the Royal Knights. Well, Bullshit. I'm sure he also heard about the fact that she had a fight with other Silva sibling whose name I don't remember and beat him in it. <laughs> He's no longer allowed yeah. in the <laughs> He's like, hold on, I'm going to go call fucking Harpo Silva or whatever we're calling him and tell him he can go help out this fucking podunk shit state of a town because he's not part of our family. It's just like, thanks, brother. <laughs> big big brother. I'm, I'm not. I'm glad I'm not on the bottom of the totem pole anymore. <laughs> just becomes an elitist shithead like she was in chapter three. Just like, how dare you bring shame on our family name? You dishonor your family. Oh, God. I'm so proud of myself for the way I've come. So the elf possesses zombie guy on the ground has summoned a giant poison monster plant thing. And it's like, I have always thought it was odd. Why did I have this sort of magic? It must have been so that I'd have the power to exterminate, to wipe out these pointless lies that have multiplied too far. God, I'm so much better than humans. So much more, like, um, so much more admirable, torturing random people. At this moment, uh, the nun, Sister Lily, uh, takes action. She summons her holy fist of love, of the water creation magic thing, to punch the giant plant, and she says, "There is no such thing as a pointless life." Uh, and so the elf zombie guy says, "Huh." That was actually a pretty decent spell. Are you what they call a noble? Hmm. Uh, Is Sister supposed to be suddenly important now? I don't know. Uh, I was very distracted by the fact in the next panel she's like got a slit up to like her upper thigh. And I was like... This is my combat garb. What nun outfit has that? Is she supposed to be a slutty nun? Like for a Halloween costume kind of thing? It seems very particular if that's the only battle damage her costume has taken. It just took one rip up the slip. Oh my god. So, 
And Sister Lily starts to, like, scold him. She says, why are you doing this? I don't know what's happened to you, but the people of this village have done nothing to you. They simply spent their days here and out in what others call the sticks, crying, worrying, suffering, and even so, smiling and dreaming. They're living with everything they have. They shouldn't need an end as sad as and this my point. main dish and will so- be ferocious tears. <laughs> and Elf Zombie Guy is like, you're right. So we're erasing the root cause of that sorrow. You humans. He's, 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 that, that's where it's just like, QED closes the internet thread and walks away. He's like, I showed that <laughs> asshole. Done. Roasted. <laughs> Roasted that asshole on the internet. Showed him using logic and facts. Hashtag. So, randomly, Nash. N- Nick. I guess this kid had a name. It's Nash. His his brilliant sacrifice is happening here. Oh, man. You're doing Pepe Proud and Sasakibe and all All the nobodies that we're meant to care about for some reason. Like, Nash! No! I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like, we didn't meet this kid and Sister obviously has to shout his name out and consider him weird if she was like, Child! But it's just like, (laughs) not Nash! Oh man, that's right, Nash. You do Sasakibe, and and that guy that was on that mission with with uh, with Kurohamaru, and and Pepe, and uh, uh, um, I, I forgot his name. Do the proud. You're running. You're standing on the shoulders of giants, young man. <laughs> uh, because he remembers what Asta and you know told him, apparently. Maybe this actually happened it, in the manga, but it's been a long time. Or it happened time. in a fucking light like, novel, who knows, alright? <laughs> it's been like three years since this happened, and this and this kid has literally not shown up since, you know, and Asta set out. Because, heaven forbid, they, fit, they visit home occasionally this, or something like that. This is where Annalise is going to message us. She's going to be like, Nash has shown up 16 times since this series has started. <laughs> She's, she was there in the background next to Henry. <laughs> Just like, fuck. I mean, when I look at it, she's right. This dude has been everywhere. Damn. <laughs> Shows me. So he remembers what Asta and Yuno told him. Once we're gone, you're the oldest guy among our siblings, so we're counting on you. So he's like, don't you dare touch our sister! Hey, glowy thing. And uh, rushes in to intercept the attack. But who should come rushing in to intercept it? Oh my gosh, it's the people that we saw rushing in to intercept it six pages ago. Aston, you know, come in and they knock all the poison vine plant thingies away in order to save the day in this big two-page spread. And Sister Lily remembers them when they were kids, even though literally the last time that she saw them, they were three months younger. And it's, oh, Aston, you know, we're here to save the day. And Nash is like, you know, and Aston, here to save the day. And they're like, leave the rest Don't of us. Don't cry, Nash. You violently protected the sister. You're really the true magic is you Nash, they touch him in the like on the nose and he explodes into just gore. This is how I'm ending the series, by the way. The true ma- The true magic was the bravery that you had inside of you all along, awesome. Nash. He's like, that's lame! And poison yeah, plants elf zombie dude kills them and he's like, Yeah, maybe you were right. Maybe humans do kind of suck. <laughs> They're saying lines as lame as that. The true magic was in you all along, Nash. 
Austin the True Magic makes people vomit out their intestines via touch. What? Boop! Ah! <laughs> I don't know why, I just want <laughs> the visual of the scene. Stop being as lame as it is, it just goes in the opposite direction. I get the idea of this chapter, but it's such an unearned moment. Like, this feels like the kind of thing that should happen after Asta and you know have, you know, suffered a loss. Of some sort. And I know that they did technically lose their last fight against They, they lost Unleashed. via ring out, Nick. The most satisfying of losses. Right. They didn't lose anything from that. It's been, what, 30 minutes since they lost that fight? It's like, oh, instant heal. And they're back on. They didn't have to do any soul searching. They didn't have to actually cope with the fact that they had lost their friends and comrades we haven't even seen what Yuno's reaction to one to one of his closest squad mates being on the other side is, by the way. Uh, and they're just like, we have to go and protect the people important to us now because we've got a job to do. Just, nothing came. It, I, it's just business as usual, and it should not be. It should be a bigger, more important more touching moment than that and that's what's frustrating about about all of black clover basically it's it's very interesting to me because uh like that fight ended in such a way where the heroes got like blasted out of a room but we're clearly all about like let's head straight back in and fight like they weren't just like this guy's too strong we need to regroup both of them were just like let's go at this 100 percent, and like nozella to be like fucking let's stop this and heal you guys up like, it's just that notion of, like, the fight would have still continued if the villain group wasn't just like, we're out of here. And then they took their Scooty Puff Jr. of a base and just, like, puffed away. Like, <laughs> like there's no real, like, satisfying conclusion to that because the heroes were still like, let's go kick their ass. Like, they're very slowly getting away <laughs> in a, in a <laughs> giant floating glowing rock base. It's just that they just... Had we just had these exact two characters? The mo the most recent action scene was them getting their asses kicked by Leashed, and we've had no time to take that in because they've spent no time reflecting on it. They were just like, "Our friends are all elf zombies now, but we can save them. Let's go do it." Are they moving fast? <laughs> There's no sense of consequence. Are from they it. actually moving faster than Leashed's ship right now? Cause Le Leash well, we just we saw their we saw their fortress go over the the vi the village, I guess. So I think that the, the fortress is still ahead. Well, of why them. would it be when the fortress was shown to be like a ship, literally with a steering wheel, like a an old timey maritime ship would have, and they're shooting by on like a jet plane of magic right now, <laughs> like the. So the ship, so the castle was ahead of them, and the ship is catching up with it, and they're going to pass it and go and save the kingdom, I, it's, I assume. It's a weird visual to think when you're like, we have to catch up to them, and they're a much slower vehicle than ours. I don't know. I just like the visual of that. Yeah. And also, there's like, it, it feels like this is the moment where we should be getting to know what this group is going to be like operating under Nozelle, uh, and getting to know better some of the characters who are in this ragtag group. Like, even if we had just had two chapters, uh, you know, having an aside like we got with Gauche and the rest over at the Black Bulls hideout, just establishing, like, okay, 
Asta and Yuno are temporarily out of commission. Therefore, they can't do anything for a couple chapters and just get back to the way things were. So these guys have to handle this for the time being now. And we see them take out a guy like this or something like that. Or, or, oh, idea, brainstorm here. We see the group split off to a couple of different villages and we see some of them first. And then we see, you know, and has to show up or something like that. I'm just trying to come up with some ideas besides just they lost to the big bad and are immediately back in action like nothing happened. It's frustrating. Great chapter. Favorite chapter of the week. <laughs> MVP of the week, Nash. Oh, you can't forget him. He's so iconic. So, One Piece. One Piece, chapter 905? Yep. What, a, what, a what, a, what a beautiful world. What a beautiful world. I love the yeah, cover page because it's been this long, protracted saga of like the various different leaders of the Straw Hats, like Armada. And we've had a couple now with Orlumbus. And this one's just like, this is his daily pajama folding ritual. Like, thanks? <laughs> what an oddly odd scene to close in on. <laughs> like, I. Also, he's got. Also, he's got yeah, a. Nice. I, I was pretty sure, like, maybe, like, two weeks ago, it was, like, him, like, going back to his kingdom to declare himself, like, a rebel to the, the kingdom at this point because he's needing to follow Luffy. And, like, the next shot is him, like. And this is how I fold my jammy jams. <laughs> Done. We begin the chapter in New Marineford. The old Marineford was, you know, basically destroyed uh, during that whole incident. Earthquakes, nothing big. No, no big deal. Uh, and we get this narration just that was just like, yeah, they needed to have, a, you know, a new stronghold. So they it still serves as the interest to the new world. And it's commanded by the new fleet admiral, Sakazuki. And we see Sakazuki pretty quickly right away. Uh, Akino is shouting at some random uh, uh, Navy men. And uh, he's upset because Fujitora uh, is in Mary Joa. He's like, I... I told him he wasn't allowed to step into any military base until he brought me straw hat and law. And one of the guys was like, actually, one of the weirdest things I want to note about this whole thing is that he specifically calls Fujitora that boy. Has he seen Fujitora? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> grizzled old Sakazuki man? was pretty old as well. Oh, uh, hey, he is, I think yeah. this is the first time we've seen T-Bone since way back when. I don't even know. He was uh, he was the guy that fought Zoro when they were riding on the the sea train, and he had like that whole thing oh, where he had like a sword fight with him in like the front of the train. Okay. So I do like that they're talking about this, and uh, Akinu says, "Why didn't you kick him out?" Well. He has. He was armed with infallible rhetorical weapons. We had no arguments against them. And the specific arguments that Fujitora were, if you ask me, this don't count as military grounds. <laughs> we couldn't lie. We couldn't argue with it. He was completely right. He was like, that's not rhetoric. It's a brain teaser. <laughs> you fucking idiot. Like, Sir, his logic was flawless. It's not <laughs> technically military grounds. What can we? We have no jurisdiction. <laughs> it's so weird that like one of the first times we see Akinu since he mercilessly killed Ace by sticking his hand through his gut is this weird comedy scene 
Um, we get more world building uh, because around the other side of the Navy base uh, on the Grand Line, there is the Mammoth Red Port, along with its counterpart on the far side of the Red Line, which acts as the government's route from the sea on one side of the wall to the other. Here, peri- people are carried up to Sacred Mary Joa on special bubble-based lifts called gondolas. Of course, why not? I mean, Nick, we um, can't stop on that part. There's like an entire page of absurdity right before us. <laughs> How could we forget the great King Taco? <laughs> and King Beer the Sixth from the Rashwan Kingdom. And his... <laughs> For God's <laughs> sakes! I fucking love Oda fuck. It's so stereotypical. <laughs> it's like, we need a Russian dude. What should he be? I don't know, vodka. Nobody knows that. Beer. Same thing. And his guy's from America. What's his name? King Hamburger. <laughs> Hey, this guy's from Mexico. What should his name be? <laughs> King Taco, and he wears a sombrero. He's not from Mexico. He's from the kingdom of the yeah, dead. This is true. What is he? What is he wear? A giant sombrero and a huge mustache. And a poncho. Like, I just wanted them to like keep going with it. They're just like, and the king from the ri- land of the rising dragon. It's it's. Cat's King Ramen. He's just like wearing like the big rice. I guess and everything. we shouldn't be surprised. I guess we shouldn't be surprised considering that Kinemon and Momonosuke come from the from very stereotypical samurai land. That is so. true, and I do love. It's still one of the things I can't wait for to find out more about the uh, the Supreme Five, or I can't remember their exact title. But it's like the one of like five historical leaders. It's like Abraham Lincoln, Mahatma Gandhi, like Gorbachev, and they're the most evil people in the planet. <laughs> I'm sorry, oh, I just lost God. my shit the first time I read King Taco from the Land of the Dead, and he's got a giant sombrero with a giant standing, kneeling, a giant taco, like a giant sombrero with a cactus at the top. Oh God! Uh, and everyone is reacting to the presence of the Mermaid Prisons because uh, fucking all the people from uh, Mer Kingdom are all there. Uh, and Garp is actually accompanying them uh, as as they arrive here. I like how they have these like bubbles that are basically inner tubes, so that they can you know get by on land because of their you know mer people tales. So of course you know Shira Hoshi's there along with her father and siblings, and people are like, oh my god, and uh, people are like, oh my god, she's so hot, and Morgan's um, has hearts in his eyes. And I don't know if it's because she thinks that she's beautiful or what this means, because they say, oh, no, he's Twitter-pated. Yeah, I didn't get that pun. I'm sure there's an explanation to it. I did not get it. (laughs) Uh, So King Neptune leans over to Garp. He's like, why is is Hoshi so popular? And uh, Garp says, oh, well, you know, the the public has heard murmurs that the, the mermaid princess of Fishman Island is just as beautiful as the famed pirate Empress Hancock. And, you know, she is a beautiful girl, so I'd say that, you know, she definitely passed that bar. Plus, she's huge! <laughs> He's fucking big! <laughs> um, there's all so many weird little gags that, as, uh, that we get from Garp in this chapter. 
including just Shirohoshi being like, oh, Sir Luffy's grandfather, is that one of your famous forests? And Garp's like, that's a tree. <laughs> She's like, is this one of your many cities I've heard about? He's like, that's a trash can. <laughs> He's like, is this one of your massive dog parades? He's like, that's a dog turd. <laughs> I don't know where you're getting this from. God. All right. So, Steli, the king of the Goa kingdom of East Blue, Sabo's foster brother, shows up. And he's like, do you know who I am? And Gar says, not who the hell are you, but... Who's this stupid turd? <laughs> no tact whatsoever. And Steli is oh, over this. Um, Morgan's thinks to himself, oh, the king of Goa, and you know, for such a peaceful little place, has produced some of the world's most wicked baddies around. And aside from Garp, there's Dragon, Sabo, Fire Fist, and Straw Hat. Fascinating. And we get it just like, in case you forgot who the fuck King Steli was from that Luffy flashback forever ago. Yeah, he was he's Sabo's adopted younger brother. Uh, and he basically politicked his way to becoming the king uh, of, of Goa at this point. But still, nobody likes him. So. Um, more stuff happens between Steli and, and Garp. Steli's like, hey, you should hand over your Noah connections to me. I don't want to be a celestial dragon. And Garp's like, who the fuck would want to be a fucking celestial dragon? And so I was like, don't say that. Don't hear me. Um, King Neptune picks up Steli when he falls, I guess, or becomes unsteady. He falls know. over in excitement because, like, when. But then he stands up. I think he just sits up. Oh, okay. Uh, and he's like, oh my god. They're huge. Wait, these are the fishman creatures. Aren't they the ones that spread disease with a touch? And he falls over backwards in order to escape. Like he starts tumbling backwards end over end and eventually collapses. Good times. <laughs> yeah. um, Garp says farewell to Shirahoshi and the rest as they go up to Mir to uh, Mirjo. I already forgotten Marijo. Yeah. I think that's it. And uh, they fly up in, in this uh, airship-style thing. Uh, and Shirahoshi sees the sun in, off in the distance. And she's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Uh, I, you know, and everyone's like, I never knew that the surface could be so wonderful. What a beautiful world. Uh, and Shirahoshi says, Father, if it can come true, I would like to live on the surface. And I want to show everyone in our kingdom this, this world of the sun. I'm sure everything will work out just fine for her. Yep. Um, over to Mary Joa, where Fujitora is hanging out with a shadowy figure, uh, and they're discussing some some things while they're while they're eating together. And uh, the other the shadowy figure says, "Oh, you're not going to destroy this meeting, uh, are you?" And Fujitora says, "Well, I might crash it, but it's just the system I want to destroy." Uh, and they also talk a bit about uh, where Fujitora has been and uh, how Vegapunk is doing. And Fujitora says, well, I may not be able to see it, but he's got quite a creation on his hands. And the guy's like, what do you mean? There's no longer any need for the seven warlords of the sea. 
And then immediately they're back to pleasantries. Uh, because Fujitora says, hey, why don't you try some of this food? It's really tasty. And the other, the other guy said, and the other guy says, well, if a pretty lady asked me to open wide, I suppose I'd chow down. And that's why I haven't had a bite for three darn years. And uh, we get a caption introducing him as the Admiral Ryokugyu, but still don't really get a good look at him at all. Just a silhouette no, of his face. This seems to indicate that we now have our full group of the four remaining. Uh, well, I guess technically it's three because Sakazuki is now the entire the fleet admiral. But we already knew uh, uh, Borsalino. The, the light guy. We do Fujitora now, and then mm-hmm. this is the green bull that they've kind of mentioned a couple times in passing before. Mm-hmm. And uh, only introduced by uh, his uh, his title, not uh, not his actual name. So well, far, I think actually so. that must be his real name, because that's not what purple bull would be in, in Japanese. Uh, Ryoku? Is yeah, that- it would be. Green Bull, Ryoku, Ryoku can be used as a as oh, green. Okay. Yeah. Then there we go. Yeah. I thought Bull was like Bolo or something. <laughs> Bolo. <laughs> I ty- I typed it into fucking Google Translate and it says Burrow. So. Um. All right. So. We can cut away then to uh, the Kamabaka Queendom, uh, where, again, the Rebel Alliance is. It's such a weird conversation that happens here. It's like Betty's conducting an interview with Koala. That's, like, the way that this is worded. Because she, she asks this very leading question so that Koala can cut a promo, basically. But then we get cut off after, like, two sentences for some reason. Um. Betty specifically asks, like, hey, you know, you're fighting the world government for the sake of the fishmen, so do you feel conflicted about the Ryugu kingdom taking part in the reverie? Not at all, Betty. Our true foe isn't actually the world government. It's the celestial dragons who control it. Good promo, Koala. That'll uh, sell a lot of tickets, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I do, I, I do again, kind of the... like this, because it does sort of push a little bit clear of what seemingly the objective of the 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 revolutionaries are because we know there are a lot of good people in the world government you know we know there's garp and sengoku and you know formerly aokiji so there are good people in like the marines and, and that group but they're saying that it's specifically the celestial dragons who are our enemies so it's nice to kind of have that yeah. distinction there right we could potentially um bring the government into a working order but uh, the sausage trackers have got to fucking go. So, uh, we cut again to the red line, uh, to where Steli is still freaking out over the uh, mer people and such. Uh, King Burger is just like, oh my uh, god, King, leave me alone. King Burger, Nick, it's a full title. <laughs> King Actually, Hamburger. Actually, he's uh, based off of the very shitty joke from the Steve Martin remake of Pig Panther. He is King Hamburger. Because he had a thick French yep. accent. Yeah. It's classic. Yeah. So, um, Steli is still freaked out over this. So he's like, ah, crows! If the crows peck the bubbles, we'll plummet to our depths! Like, eh, yeah, I guess that, uh, yeah, it is kind of unusual that they're flying this high. Hmm. 
Crows, you say? Mm. We did find out about something. Where did we see crows recently? Mm. And uh, Shiroshi actually finally gets something right. She's like, ah, these must be the famous birds! <laughs> so, uh, Stelly is shouting for, for a guard. He's like, shoot the crows before they pop the bubbles! Uh, and the guard's like, ah, we're safe here. Crows have never popped the bubbles before. Please be at ease, King Stelly. And he lifts up his, you can get a look through his visor. <gasps> it's Sabo. So, you know, like, there's the, like, whole unpopular opinion thing that's been going around on Twitter recently where it's like, unpopular opinion, food edition, unpopular opinion, uh, butt edition. Like, there's just an unpopular one. Sure. I'm going to do uh, unpopular opinion, one piece edition. I can't give less of a flying fuck about Sabo. I've tried. I just, I cannot give a fuck about this kid. Uh, I still think this is cool. And I like the, like, tease of, like, oh, we saw Karasu a couple chapters ago, and now we're seeing crows preparing to attack and stuff like that. So Yeah. I think that it would have been better off if, if we had just seen the crows and not had Sabo go, it's actually me, wink. Well, I think we did that, <laughs> probably, but still, I'm just, like, I like so much of this chapter. I love the just absurd stereotyping of all these various other kingdoms like here's a dude from america his name's mr hamburger and he's from he's from and he looks like Hollywood. and abe lincoln yeah. combined he looks like uncle sam and abe lincoln combined yeah he's very goofy like that so i i do enjoy that uh, and i like the tease to ryo gyoku uh, i think that's a really exciting thing i've been waiting for to kind of see this guy at some point so i'm super cool for that um, so I like this chapter by and large, especially because we get more Fujitora, and Fujitora is fucking boss, so that's all great. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's uh, that's one, that's uh, our manga for this week. Uh, so let's wrap things up by proclaiming what our favorite stuff was, I guess. Huh, I'm trying to think, what was my favorite chapter of this week? Hmm. That's a tough one. I almost, I almost don't know if I have like a specifically favorite chapter of all this. I'm gonna go with "We Never Learn." Uh, I really like uh, the setup that we got here, um, and there, it's not like it was just all setup though. We did have some really nice gags here and there, uh, like you know, with the Fumino's secret society meeting being so over the top, uh, and. Uh, yeah, I really look forward to seeing what this arc has in store for everyone. Uh, I guess I'll go with the Promised Neverland because it was kind of exciting, even though it was a lot of like the Pepe stuff. I do, I do have to enjoy one of those good old fashioned "We're stuck, we're doomed" is what they want us to think, and in secret we <laughs> fucked them over. Woo! And uh, MVP, I'm gonna make a Bond from Seven Deadly Sins. I like the uh, bonding that he got. Uh, down with Amelia. Uh, I want to give mine to the leader of the Thorn Society, if I can, because that is my favorite fucking moment from this week. Steeple the fingers. <laughs> Just like, let's begin the meeting, my dears. All right. That is going to do it, everyone. Thank you for joining us for Weekly Manga Recap. We tend to record the show thursdays at about 7 7 30 p.m eastern standard oh, uh, time just a quick here note. on uh, one piece won the audience poll in case you're curious cool uh here on hitbox.tv slash reload it's not hitbox.tv slash reload smashcast.tv slash reload and twitch.tv slash reload follow us on twitter for updates on at wmr podcast 
at RoloZ, at Nick F. Time. You can also check out our past episodes on weeklymagrecap.podbean.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave a comment and rain to help us out there. Our episodes are up on YouTube and done and fully caught up to date now, except for, well, this one. Yeah. So, yay! Send any feedback, ask us questions for our Q&A episodes, suggest future manga for us to read via email, and send them to weeklymangarecap at yahoo.com. Special thanks go out to our Patreon supporters. Your spoiler allows us to create all sorts of bonus content for you guys to enjoy. We just put up a twofer for our champion-level subscribers to make up for our missing bonus episode for April. So there is a Weekly Manga Recap Lives Grand Finale Edition based on uh, the big finishes that we've had in recent uh, months. Well, mostly weeks, but also mm-hmm. months. Uh, and uh, we have uh, our third showdown, which you can check out. It's the Saddest Death Showdown. And uh, if you listen to that, be sure to also vote to decide who wins and takes home the belt this yes. time? And uh, we're going to have a new bonus podcast for June. Uh, I won't say what the topic is quite yet because that could change depending on how things go, but I believe we're going to be taking another dip into as explained by manga. So look forward to that. We'll let you guys know specifically yeah. the topic as it comes up. And finally, thank thanks to all the people who will make our podcast possible by helping us out in different ways. Steve Man, our talk artist, and Infamous Planet. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, thanks, Infamous, you big dork. <laughs> hey! All right, that's going to do it, everyone. See you later. Catch you later. Uh, what do we go out on, Nick? Uh, I need to go where there is actual air conditioning blowing on me. So Nick needs uh, to go where he's going to get blown. Goodbye, everybody. Boom!